1: What's up, you guys? I'm Andrea. And I'm Haley. And you're listening to Inhuman, a true crime podcast.
0: Real quick, before we get into Andrea's episode today, I just wanted to give a quick update because there have been announcements of new ground searches for Maura Murray, uh, not far from where her where she disappeared and her car was found. So if you don't know Maura Murray's case... We covered it on episode 71, so be sure to go and listen to that because um, that covers all of the details, but her sister, Julie, has been sharing a lot on TikTok about these ground searches, and it sounds like the ground search is concluded, but I don't think that everything about this new whatever led to these ground searches is fully resolved because it sounds like they're still patiently waiting to figure out what's going on, Um, so I just wanted to update you guys because I know a lot of people have uh, been following that case and have been, you know, wanting to know what what's going on with the updates. So, if there are any updates, we'll share on here and also on our Instagram. But I just wanted to let you guys know that that is happening. So, please keep Mora's family in your thoughts because I know that this has to just be an incredibly difficult time for them. Yeah. I can't imagine being, like, in that, like, in that
1: position, you know?
0: Yeah she's awesome on TikTok. Her TikTok username is Julie. No, it's Maura Murray missing. Her name is Julie Murray. If you look up either one, I'm sure you'll find her, but she shares updates, but also she shares a lot of information about the case and like theories. And she has conversations with people in the comments about it. So she's really doing a lot to help spread awareness. And so highly recommend you follow her if you're not already.
1: Okay. So, um, before we get started, I just want to give a little shout out to Alina. Um she actually suggested this case and I had never heard of it, probably because it's a Can- a Canadian case or not Canadian, excuse me, it's Alaskan. Um which Alaska is part of the US, but I feel like I don't hear any news about Alaska ever. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's not as... I don't know. Yeah, you're right. We really don't hear it's a like lot its about It's like its own Alaska. little entity, Yeah, you know?
1: Kind of like, I guess, Hawaii, too. Like, they're states, but... Yeah. You know, they kind of uh, walk to the beat of their own drum. Yeah. Um, so, shout out to Alina. I hope I'm saying your name right. It's A-L-E-E-N-A. So, I'm assuming it's Alina. Thank you, Alina. Yeah. And I was pretty blown away by this case, honestly. Um, it... We'll just jump into it. We'll just, we'll just jump into it. I don't want to give too much away from the, from the beginning, but okay. So on April 23rd, 1993, Sophie Sergi flew from Pitcus Point, Alaska, to the University of Alaska Fairbanks to visit some friends for the weekend. Sophie had previously attended the university and had received a full scholarship, which was a huge deal for her family. Because she was a first-generation college student.
0: Oh, wow. Good for her. That's amazing. I know.
1: Unfortunately, she did end up leaving her sophomore year so she could work as a teaching assistant back home to save money for a corrective jaw surgery that she wanted to have. Oh, wow. Okay. Because she kind of had, like, a pretty severe overbite. So she, unfortunately, had to stop, you know, going to school and return back home to save up some money. Okay. But she did plan to return back to the university in the fall um, to finish up her marine biology degree. So she was studying marine biology, which is amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. In the meantime, she would fly back and forth from home in Pitca's Point to Fairbanks. And she would visit with her friends. But she'd also go to her her dentist appointments, which were back by the university, Mm, um, leading up to her surgery. So I guess... You know, pretty frequently she would have to fly back and go to her appointments as wow, well. okay. So, some really cool, I think, information about Sophie is that she was part of the village of Pitca's Point, which is a ter- a territory of the Yupik tribe. Wow. Who, they are indigenous people native to Alaska. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. She had a quirky sense of humor with no problem laughing at her own jokes, which is very <laughs> relatable for me, <laughs> as we all know. Um, and she had a very caring spirit about her and prided herself on helping care for her little brother, Stephen. Aw, that's amazing. Yeah. She loved helping others, especially her mother, Elena, and she was known for her big heart. Aww. Sophie had originally had aspirations to join the United States Navy, but due to her small stature of four feet, nine inches, she was deemed too small for the specific job that she wanted. And I'm sorry, but, like, this, okay, again, I I hate to always bring up Edmund Kemper, (laughs) (laughs) but why are people getting denied these jobs just because of their height? Like, that, to me, seems very... Yeah, it's Prejudice. like if she wants
0: to do something, unless you physically cannot do it. But I, I'm having trouble even thinking of something that you physically would not be able to do because of being too short. Like, yeah, there. What would you not be able to physically do, just because you're not tall? Like nothing.
1: I don't know. Unless it was like driving a vehicle of some yeah, sort maybe. that needed. But even still, I feel like there's things that you can do to yeah. There's
0: know. ways to to drive to make yourself taller. Like that's so annoying. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, yeah. I agree. So ultimately, she decided college would be just as fulfilling, and she started her path on studying marine bio- biology at UAF. Okay, she cool. loved whales. Which Aww. same, I love whales as well. Really, whales as well. Yeah, I do. <laughs> like like blue whales like not yeah. n- not necessary necessarily um like orcas cause yeah. they're kind of like
0: bullies but <laughs> yeah you need to come visit we have um an area near where i grew up where whales will pass by i think it's in like Stop. march and you can literally gosh i just whacked my microphone but you can literally see them <laughs> migrating oh my gosh and there's like whale watchers that sit at the point and like look watch out all day but we've seen them before and it's really cool
1: That's amazing. I love whales, and I love
0: dolphins. I don't know. (laughs) I love it.
1: So she loved whales, and her dream, you know, along with her biology degree, was to one day hopefully be able to work with them, which is just amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. So on Friday, April 23rd, Sophie flew to Fairbanks for the weekend, planning to return home that Monday after her appointment. So she did have, you know, a dental appointment that Monday. Um, She had planned to stay with her friend, Shirley Wasuli who lived on campus in Bartlett Hall, which was an eight-floor dormitory. Okay. So on Sunday evening, Sophie went to the movies with some friends, and then they decided to take a stroll around the city. When she returned to Shirley's dorm room, it was a little after midnight, and they decided that they were going to order pizza. So Shirley, her boyfriend Noah, and Sophie all ordered the pizza. Okay. Around 1.30 a.m., Sophie decided to or she wanted to go smoke a cigarette, but since it was below freezing and it was dark out, Shirley told Sophie like, "Hey, why don't you go up to the second floor women's bathroom and smoke in there instead? There's exhaust vents, you know, it'll be more Make, comfortable, yeah, it makes and, more sense. You know, you can get the smoke out of there." Okay. So, during the time that Sophie had left to go out, you know go up to the bathroom to smoke the cigarette shirley decided she wanted to spend the night with noah so she left a note on the door for sophie um to find when she returned which is something she would do frequently like she would spend the night at her boyfriend's dorm you know a good bit so it wasn't anything like out of the norm right at 9 a.m the next morning shirley arrived back to her dorm room and she noticed right away that the note was still attached to the door And inside, Sophie was nowhere to be found. Okay. At first, she assumed that Sophie had probably, you know, already gotten up for the day and went and got ready. Maybe went to go run some errands in town because that's what a lot of people did. They would, you know, go in town to pick up, you know, things they needed. But as the day progressed, she began to grow concerned because she should have at least seen or heard from Sophie and she hadn't. Okay, right. It makes sense. Shirley said, quote, The longer the day went, the more panicked I got. I was kind of bothered because I thought, how could she not get a hold of me? I was asking people if they'd seen her. Shirley even went as far as calling the dentist's office where Sophie had an appointment that day, and they told her that Sophie never showed up. Oh, no. Okay. So that Monday was April 26th, and around 2.40 p.m., Sophie Sergi was found by a janitor. (gasps) Residents of Bartlett Hall had been in and out of the second floor bathroom all morning, which, by the way, is an all-female-only floor at the dormitory. Okay. No one noticed anything awry until the janitor went by the shower stalls and opened the door to a more private room that contained a single bathtub. There laid Sophie. Oh, her arms had been stretched above her head, and the left side of her face was covering the drain. She had multiple stab wounds to the right side of her face.
0: Oh my gosh. Her pants
1: and underwear had been pulled down past her knees, and her sweater was pushed up to her neck. Her clothing and hair were damp, indicating that water had likely been ran at some point while she laid in the tub. Okay. Sophie had been raped as well as murdered, Um, and she was only 20 years old. Oh, my God. Ultimately, the cause of death was a gunshot wound to the back of the head, which they uncovered once they removed her from the tub, as it wasn't obvious during their initial investigation of
0: her body. Oh, wow. So she had multiple stab wounds, but that wasn't her actual cause of death. Right. Wow. Investigators immediately
1: began questioning as many students living in Bartlett Hall as they could, no one claimed to have heard a gunshot, which to me is, like, how? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I guess they ha- could have had a silencer on it, but...
0: It, that's true. I mean, gunshots are
1: pretty loud, but I don't know.
0: Especially, I feel like, in, like, a dorm like that. Although, at the same time, may, like, you hear sounds a lot Yeah, in, like, residence halls. So maybe they somebody heard it and they just thought, like, oh, it's, you know... Whatever, People like a party in not... or whatever. Yeah, because yeah. to be fair, I remember like living in the dorms and being like hearing stuff all the time, and you wouldn't think anything yeah. of it like a loud crash.
1: Yeah, so no one, you know, heard anything, and no one seemed to see anything suspicious. And unfortunately, due to a lack of available detectives, and that within a two day period after Sophie's death. Over 60 students moved out of the dorms after finishing their final exams. Oh no. So so there was several students that didn't even end up being
0: questioned at all. Right. And like people moving out, there's going to be like a lot of movement and probably any potential evidence would be gone.
1: Yeah. And they, How? you know, like you were just saying people were probably partying. It was the end of the school year, so yeah, people even if there was a gunshot, yeah. you know, maybe someone heard it and was like, "Oh, that was blah 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 blah." Yeah. And excused it away. Investigators did manage to recover DNA evidence from Sophie's body, but no matches turned up.
0: Mm.
1: Okay. Over the years, they would run that DNA through the national database two more times, once in the late 90s and then again in May of 2000, but the sample did not match any DNA profiles uploaded into the national database. Okay. Okay. Crime Stoppers of Fairbanks put up a twenty thousand dollar reward for any information leading to the perpetrator's arrest. In April of 1994, Sophie's mother Elena filed a four million dollar lawsuit against the University of Alaska, alleging that inadequate security at the dorms led to the murder of her daughter. Which honestly is fair. I mean, yeah. Um, Peter Partnow, an Anchorage attorney, was hired to defend the university. Partnell took over the case from the Fairbanks lawyer, Gerard Leparle, who was indicted for misconduct in another case. Oh. Leparle had stated that the killer, not the university, was responsible for Sophie's death, which again, you know. I mean, technically. It's kind of true,
0: yes. But I feel like the university should have some responsibility in this.
1: Yeah. According to investigators on this case, the civil suit brought on by Sophie's family muddied their investigation. Alaska State Trooper Lieutenant Lance Stalk said, quote, There was a lot of information released in the civil suit that, sh- that never should have been released to the public. Only those crucial witnesses who hold one piece of information as to what happened, and the actual player, aka the murderer, who holds all pieces, should be the one—the ones with this kind of information.
0: I mean that does make sense, but yeah, it's still frustrating. Yeah,
1: I, I know it's like a lose lose
0: in yeah. that in that situation.
1: A former trooper investigator, Jim McCann, now retired, initially said that he had what he called quote-unquote good leads during the investigation, McCann sought the public's help, urging anyone who had seen any unusual changes in the behavior of any individuals recently home from college to report it. McCann said, quote, the killer thought enough ahead to bring a gun and is likely to have fantasized about committing similar acts. Her killer is likely someone who uses women to express their anger. Makes sense. There were several suspects and persons of interest in Sophie's case, so let's go ahead and dive into a few of those now. First, Kenneth Moto, who was seen by a female student on the night of the murder leaving the dorm. Allegedly Moto's sister told investigators several several years later that her brother had confessed to Sophie's murder. Oh, he mentioned using a knife. Modo is currently serving a prison sentence for manslaughter and has a record of committing crimes against women.
0: Wow, okay. That seems somewhat promising.
1: Next, we have Gregory Thornton, who was living with a student on campus at the time of Sophie's murder. He owned a twenty-two caliber pistol, which was the caliber of gun that was used in her murder, and according to some sur- sources, he was suicidal. Okay. However, his DNA did not match the DNA found on Sophie's body. So that kind of rules him out. Damn it. Yeah. Next, we have Thad Williamson. Williamson knew Sophie, and he actually had a bit of a crush on her. It was discovered he even had a shrine dedicated to her in his home that's
0: intense
1: yeah allegedly he had acted strange the night of the murder according to some witnesses and he had no alibi for that night okay
0: but again no dna match so did this one like his dna did not match again or just did not damn it yeah and is it for sure that the dna on her body came from her killer yes damn it okay Well, that makes me hopeful that that means we know who it is. So I'm going to just keep my fingers crossed.
1: Yes. So next up, we have one of the more compelling suspects, in my opinion, Nicholas Dazer. So Dazer worked with campus security on the night that Sophie was assaulted and killed. He was actually working on the campus. It's alleged that he was at another part of the campus working that night But he did show up at the Bartlett Hall dorm um, because there was a party in the same dorm, not on the same floor as Sophie, but in the same dorm where she was found murdered. Dazer was later fired for owning a gun and lying about it. So he was fired from campus security. Um, I guess you can't own a gun. Or if you do, you have to disclose it. Right. Because I'm sure, like, the campus security doesn't carry. Right. He was questioned during the initial investigation in 1993, and then he was questioned again several years later, but he insisted that he never owned a gun while he was in college, but that his roommate did. But since, once again, his DNA didn't match the crime scene, so Sophie's case goes cold. Okay. That is until 2018, when there is a major break in the investigation. I'm excited. Okay. So... An Alaska state trooper investigator, Randy McFerrin, who had recently been put on the case, was inspired by the arrest of Joseph James D'Angelo, which... Yep. Night Stalker. The Golden State... Oh, the Golden State Killer. Yeah. No, it's okay. I know. They all have, like, the same sounding names, I swear. Yeah. So, he was the Golden State Killer. If you guys don't know about that case, it was another one that went unsolved for decades. Years. I mean, and yeah, literally and, was, like, just solved. Like, <laughs> And he, yeah, in 2018, it was yeah. solved. I think it was 2018. Uh, by familial
0: DNA. Yeah. Also, the Night Stalker is Richard Ramirez. Just to, yeah. just to say. <laughs> I mixed up my names, but yes. Yeah. But We know you know. <laughs> I
1: just need to point that it just out. just gets all, yeah, it just Ugh, gets all clouded yeah. up in here.
0: But... Okay, so he's inspired by this being solved. But,
1: yes, so he decided, you know, maybe I should try to use some forensic genetic genealogy. Smart. And he reached out to Parabon Nano Labs, which
0: okay. is the DNA yep.
1: technology company that caught the Golden State Killer and has been used in other
0: cases oh, yeah. too. There's one that yeah. I recently—not recently, but I know there's one that I covered not too long ago that they used it and I can't think of what it was but yeah that's been used in yeah. a lot of cases.
1: So by creating a family tree using DNA found at the crime scene, the lab determined that there was indeed a match.
0: All right. The
1: DNA, yeah. <laughs> the DNA linked them to a Vermont woman who had voluntarily uploaded her DNA to GEDmatch. Okay. According to the charging documents filed in February of 2019, the lab identified a likely... This part is so fucking crazy. Like, this was just, like, the Lord or the universe, whoever, whatever you believe, Buddha, Allah, whatever. Um, The lab identified a likely relative of the suspect. Wow. The amount of genetic information shared between the relative and the suspect was consistent with a second-degree relationship. Okay. Which includes half-siblings, an aunt, nephew, or a grandmother-grandson relationship. Familial so DNA very specific. fucking wild. Yes, it's very specific. So because the relative also shared the same X DNA, which we know is female. Right. As the suspect's DNA profile, the lab reasoned that the connection between the two came from the suspect's mother's side. <gasps> oh my Since, gosh. Males only inherit X DNA from their mothers, which we all learned in biology, yeah. you know, way back in what? Like 6th grade, 7th grade. Yeah, except I don't think I high actually school, I guess, know too.
0: that from biology. I think I just know that from like life. Because okay. <laughs> biology was my absolute worst subject in school. I
1: actually do remember, like, learning about the the chromosomes and DNA really? and stuff like that. Yeah, no. I don't remember, like, all the specifics, but I do remember, like, the X dna males can have from their yeah, mom. Yeah, yeah. So, the genealogy research revealed that the identified relative has no known maternal half-brothers and no known biological children of her own and, therefore, had no biological grandchildren. Okay. So, through the process of elimination, the lab determined that the known relative to the DNA profile only had one possible second-degree relationship (gasps) with a male. And that was her nephew, Stephen H. Downs.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. Isn't that insane? Why? Like, what are the
1: fucking odds of that? That is Zero. so crazy. Yeah. Like <laughs> 1%. Minuscule. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. That was just really exciting for me when
0: I read that. I was just yeah. like, oh my God. Like this was meant, this was meant to be. Yeah, the fact that it was it like came down to such a small thing and like it just happened to to work out.
1: Yeah, and it's undeniable oh. at
0: that point. Yeah.
1: So now we're gonna backtrack a little bit for a moment. So remember when we were discussing possible suspects and the name Nicholas Dazer came into question? Yes. Remember when I said that it wasn't he who owned the gun, but his roommate? Mm-hmm. Guess who his roommate was?
0: Stop Stephen H.
1: Downs. Yep. Oh my god. Which also makes me question, but we won't go there, I guess. Okay. Okay. So Downs was born in Maine and lived there until he graduated Edward Little High School in 1992. In the fall, he enrolled at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. Okay. Downs lived in Bartlett Hall, the same building where Sophie's murder took place. And he was now working as a nurse back in Maine. Just a little small tidbit of like what his little backstory is okay yeah so alaska state troopers began working with the Maine state police to concoct exactly how this arrest would take place two months after their discovery oh wow yeah i can't imagine being like an investigator
0: or having to wait two months i know i was gonna say i guess they want to make sure that they have enough but like in this case dna is like pretty damning so you'd think yeah. that they had enough but damn I'm sure there's, like, logistics working from state to state. That's true, yeah. That's what I assume, And, like, you want to make sure he doesn't flee or something if he gets wind of it before he can actually be arrested. Yep.
1: So, on February 13th, 2019, Maine State Police knocked on Stephen's door, and they retained a swab from the inside of his cheek. Okay. While they had the familial match, they needed a first-degree connection between Downs' DNA and the biological evidence found on Sophie's body. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. When they brought up the then-26-year-old cold case and showed Downs the gruesome crime scene photos, this motherfucker said, quote, I remember the pictures.
0: It's terrible. Poor girl. What the- dude, you have been caught- like don't try to play it off there's fucking dna evidence yeah they he he knew why they were there i don't know why
1: i guess he thought maybe he had a chance he
0: probably did he probably wasn't he honestly probably didn't know how damning the dna evidence was he was probably like oh sure they probably have it yeah
1: so he went on to claim he never had any contact with sophie back in college but knew who she was he also claimed that on the night of Sophie's death, he was staying at his girlfriend's house on the fourth floor of Bartlett Hall and that he was there all night. Okay,
0: but it's still the same building. Like, yeah, you could just go right up. Like, no.
1: Yeah, like I'm going to the bathroom and then do exactly. what you didn't.
0: But why?
1: Less than 24 hours later, Stephen Downs was arrested and charged with the sexual assault and murder in the first degree of Sophie Sergi. Wow. His DNA was indeed a match. Good. Along with the DNA evidence matching downs, his alibi for that night, we learned, was a little faulty. Oh? Kate Lee, who was this girlfriend that he was dating at the time and claimed to be at her house all night, um, at the time of Sophie's murder, he was at a party at her place with Nicholas Dazer, but the two of them were in and out for most of the evening. Oh.
0: Now I see why you said doubt mm-hmm. about Nicholas. Mhm. But we don't know anything, so it's alleged. Alleged, yeah. In my brain. We're, we're just in coming up with it. Yeah. Just just yeah, in my brain. Our
1: thoughts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so don't sue us. Um the evidence against Downs was pretty staggering. Not only was his DNA, which was found inside Sophie's body by the way. Okay. Yeah a match, but police also found a gun in his possession that was the same caliber gun used to kill Sophie. So he still had the fucking gun. 26 which, like, years later. I I guess it's good on his part because, like, he knew, I guess if he knew it was in his possession, it wouldn't be out in the world to find, but... Dumbass. Dude. Yeah. So on February 1st, 2021, the trial began. It was originally supposed to begin in April of 2020, but was delayed due to the good old pandemic this just we just we love that we love the pandemic downs's defense team which was led by attorney james Howaneek. i i uh, spelt it phonetically there <laughs> <laughs> filed 11 motions in the 1993 murder of sophie 11 okay downs faced two first degree charges murder, and sexual assault, and he pled not guilty. What the fuck, dude? Oh. His attorney argued... Listen to this. His attorney argued that familial DNA testing was not enough to indict him.
0: Okay, fine, but now they have all this other evidence. Mm-hmm. They're probably gonna try to say that they shouldn't have gotten that evidence because if yeah. the familial oh, they DNA do. wasn't enough. Ugh.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of controversy with this case and that, but honestly that's disgusting to me yeah like i know you're an attorney and you're just trying to get you know your win and trying to get paid but somebody died at yeah. the hands of someone else
0: and you're not even arguing that he didn't do it you're arguing that the evidence doesn't prove it like you're not even trying to say oh well no he it wasn't him it like you're but literally it does just prove like, it. yeah exactly but that's what i'm saying like you're you're basically admitting that he did it but the evidence doesn't prove it and it's like that's it's so clear that you know that he did it and oh i just i could never be a defense attorney and i mean mad respect to them but at the same time there's a respectful way to do it but i guess you know your client is your client and some You've of them just do don't care. Do. Some of
1: them just want their win. I feel like yeah, I they feel like you almost they know the person's guilty, but they still defend them. I couldn't, I
0: couldn't live with myself personally. But no, I couldn't either. You almost have to like just not care.
1: Yeah. So they continue that Downs's could, Downs could have engaged in consensual consensual sex with Sophie prior to her murder.
0: I mean that is true, but with everything yeah. else.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. what are the odds
0: that, yeah.
1: Yeah. Or that his DNA could have been moved from one surface onto her body, also known as trace evidence. But, but like you said it was in, in her, her body? body? Yeah. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. The autopsy could not solely determine if Sophie had been sexually assaulted. However, the absence of injury simply means there is no evidence of injury. Okay. So from this, you cannot assume there is no evidence of sexual assault. Right. A forensic pathologist, Dr. Norman Thompson, explained that sexual assault does not always cause genital injury, which, I mean, that makes sense. Right. That just because injury is absent does not mean that the person was not assaulted. Downs' attorney filed a motion to have the charges against him dismissed, but the judge denied his motion. Okay, good. According to an article written on defrostingcoldcases.com, in the state of Alaska, it is not required to prove, and this is very interesting to me, because I know we say this in a lot of cases, and I guess it is state by state, because I thought it was, like, federally, but I guess it is state by state, that in the state of Alaska, it is not required to prove that first-degree murder is premeditated, only that it was intentional.
0: Oh. Yeah, and that neat. Yeah. Not neat, but, like, But, like, good for, Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Huh. Okay. Interesting.
1: Because honestly, like, it, that's the way it should be, in my opinion. My opinion is my opinion.
0: Yeah. Everyone doesn't have to have it. But I think that, yeah, first-degree murder, I think like... So. I think so, too, because if you intend to murder someone, it shouldn't matter if you planned it out for a day or an hour or it just happened. You're still in moment, intending yeah. to murder them. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. like, second-degree is maybe, like, you hit them not intending to murder them but they died but then that's kind of going into manslaughter so like manslaughter yeah i know that there's different variations of it but but it's what's frustrating is if that's the variation the premeditation between first and second then second should have almost as much of a sentence as first but oftentimes it's like way less it doesn't yeah yep so
1: the state argued that the murder was undeniably intentional in order yeah. to prevent Sophie from exposing the man who assaulted her, he killed her. I would agree with that. And they base the intention on the execution style killing. And this part, this next part, is just yeah. gut wrenching. But they say that Downs pressed her head on a hard, hard surface and fired the gun.
0: <sighs>
1: yeah. Oh my God. In conjunction with these details, a special prosecutor in the case Jenna Grunstein or Grunstein, ooh, I don't I never know which one it is. Yeah. Um so, sorry. Reminded the jury where the DNA was found. She said quote, and she is a badass bitch. She mm-hmm. said quote, not in her underwear, not on her tights, just in her vagina because dead women don't stand up oh my god i have goosebumps i like yeah. didn't, i've never thought about it that way but that is absolutely so true
0: yeah wow that's powerful
1: yeah grunstein went on to say that they are grateful that the man responsible for this heinous crime is finally being held accountable for his actions yeah. after almost 30 years And they hope that Sophie's family and the Fairbanks community as a whole are finally able to find some peace and closure. Yeah. On February 15th, 2021, a jury of 10 women and six men convicted Stephen Harris Downs of the rape and first degree murder of Sophie Sergi. Hell yes. Downs is scheduled to be sentenced in September of this year. Oh, wow. okay. And he faces a maximum sentence of one hundred and twenty nine years in prison. That's good. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you ain't getting out, buddy. Well no. hopefully. Thank God. His lawyer told The Daily News that there would likely be an appeal based on the newness of genetic genealogy as evidence, which
0: is horse shit. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Like, yeah, no, no. And, like, even if so, they found all this other evidence, so no. Yeah.
1: The gun. I mean, even though, like, they couldn't... Because, you know, when someone shoots someone, they can't prove the gun. It's the bullets, the... Mm. There's another word, and I can't think of it, but um, that's how they can, like, tell. But obviously, it's been 30 years, so he doesn't have those same bullets. Right. But he has the gun, so... Right. It's not, like, 100%, but with everything else at all just kind of yeah yeah and his dna like come
0: on yeah come on people
1: the chancellor of the university of alaska fairbanks dan white said in a statement that quote sophie's tragic death was a heartbreaking loss for her family and friends it sent shockwaves throughout our university and local community and challenged our sense of security while today's news is a step towards justice for sophie and her family It is also a reminder of a traumatic chapter in our community's history. If you are struggling with this news, please reach out for help. Yeah, Alaska State Trooper Colonel Barry Wilson said in a statement after the guilty verdict, quote, while this doesn't bring Sophie back, we are relieved to provide this closure. This case has haunted and frustrated Sophie's family and friends, the investigators, and beyond. However, we did it. Investigators never gave up on Sophie. Moving forward, AST, which was the Alaska State Troopers, will continue to work our cold cases until all feasible leads are exhausted. We hope that we can provide the same closure to other families that have long waited for justice. That's awesome. And with that, I pray sophie's family feels some peace knowing her murderer is finally going to pay for his awful crimes and i pray that sophie is finally able to rest peacefully yeah and i'm like getting choked up right now because she was too young to have had her life stolen from her like that for what for
0: sex like so senseless and unnecessary and disgusting and just like hearing
1: how you know how amazing she was which I know like a lot of families say that about their loved ones that they lost but I just like genuine genuinely believe it in this case so yeah I just I just like I think we talked about in one of the last cases we did like you never really get closure you never really get peace but hopefully this will help them be able to like live you know moving forward without knowing that her murderer is still out there yeah yeah So I also wanted to give a little credit where credit is due, um, because there are two really informative articles that I use for this case. I use a lot of different sources, but there was two specifically that I feel like really gave a lot of time, attention, care, you know, probably blood, sweat, and tears. Um, Right. But I wanted to give a shout out to Alice Stace of defrostingcoldcases.com and Kylie Lowe of darkdowneast.com. Um, both of them are uh, I guess investigative journalists but definitely journalists and they both wrote amazing yeah that's um, awesome stories on uh, Sophie and I believe it was Alice I believe she actually um, has like different uh, postings from the trials as well
0: oh wow okay um
1: so I'll have all that linked in the show notes or not in the show notes but I'll have it linked in our sources on, on our website um but yeah that's that's uh Sophie Sergi and wow such a tragic case yeah and I hope
0: her family can can get peace and know that I think that this gives a lot of hope to a lot of yeah. unsolved cases because absolutely you just really never know yeah so, as always, I will be posting
1: pictures of the beautiful Sophie on our Instagram and our Facebook, and, of course, the disgusting Stephen Downs, yeah. um, unfortunately. We have to post their pictures, too. But, so make sure you guys are following us on both uh, Inhuman Podcasts, where you can find us. You just search it. There it is. Yeah. But, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us and listening today, and until next time, keep it human. Bye.